Today's episode of The Lift was written by Mark Nixon. Mark Nixon is a writer from England who maintains a fantastic website called shadowsatthedoor.com. Shadows at the Door is a collection of ghost stories and other creepy tales. And Mark writes some of the tales on that site and also collects and publishes select tales from other authors. I've also twice read tales for Mark that he's written, the first of which is published on his YouTube channel. And the second, we just finished our collaboration on. I'm sure he'll be putting that up pretty soon. You can find Mark's work at www.shadowsatthedoor.com and also follow him on Twitter at Shadows at Door and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Shadows at the Door. What a great writer, very talented gentleman, and a lot of fun to collaborate with someone from across the pond, Victoria being British herself. It's kind of neat and fun to have someone writing her dialogue who is actually from England. Check back soon for additional episodes of The Lift and other great story readings at www.stryradio.com. And also check us out over at www.ninthstory.com. Thanks again to Mark Nixon for taking the time to write a fantastic story for The Lift. We're going to have some additional stories written by some other authors coming up soon. If you enjoy the work we do, please head on over to www.ninthstory.com and find our donate button. Every little bit we get helps and helps with the production of the show. Of course, Story Radio and the Ninth Story Podcast are both available in iTunes. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Where does the time go? Where does the time go? Nowhere. It collects in pools and puddles of pain and confusion. Is it only here that memories echo as they drift from the future? Or was it always like this? Or was it always like this? Why is it only the coming change that I remember? The past is a mystery. I remember who I'll become. But not who I was. Are we all lost here? Whose story am I telling? Is it mine or another's? Or am I the story? Or am I the story? Or am I the story? future? Listen and learn. Lest you find yourself here in this lost place. The Homage by Mark Nixon. The room erupted in applause and it was magnificent. Andrew Beck, an aspiring writer, sat in front of the modestly sized audience. He sat up straight and despite his best efforts, he was unable to suppress the smirk quickly conquering his face. He closed the notebook resting on his lap and stood before the applauding crowd. His legs buckled slightly. The sheer excitement gripped and squeezed itself around his body like a huge python. Andrew took a deep breath, focusing on the sea of smiles that surrounded him. However, overpowered by his embarrassment, 
he soon found that he had to look at the floor. The clapping continued without his supervision. Jesus, he thought. They really loved it. His head began to tingle. He knew this as an old telltale sign of his getting over-emotional. Keep it together, Andrew. He rubbed his free hand at the back of his skull. Somehow, it always stopped the process. In his other hand, he held his tattered old notebook, stained from the many trips to coffee shops. Andrew, at first twitching in his uncertainty, bowed before the crowd. Upon his rise, he mouthed thank you to them. He hadn't meant for his gratitude to be silent, but his nerves often had a habit of overriding his intentions. It was writer's night at the Novels of Antiquity bookstore, a monthly event organized to promote the local writers of the area and possibly connect them with publishers. Andrew had been strong-armed into attending by an old college friend. Well, in reality, he'd been dropping subtle hints for months. His faux acceptance would have earned the young scribe an Academy nomination in other circumstances. So now, here he was, receiving the adulation he had sought for so long. Eventually, the applause died down. Someone at the back maintained an enthusiastic and heavy clap to the bitter end. And then the room was still. The tall brunette, responsible for thrusting Andrew into the proverbial spotlight, stepped over from the crowd. She firmly gripped his right hand in an exaggerated handshake, placing her other on his back. Andrew wasn't used to being touched, and the physical contact gave him a slight buzz. Looking at her, he noticed a small love heart tattoo behind her ear as she spoke to the room. Andrew Beck, everybody. The audience broke out into another round of applause. She leaned into his ear and whispered softly, That was amazing. Congratulations. Her breath in his ear sent a shiver through his body. Andrew promised himself not to look into her friendliness. He'd made that mistake before. The crescendo of excitement and pride had now caused all feeling to leave his head. It would take some time to return. Andrew stepped out into the winter's evening. A light frost dusted the ground, but the cold failed to lower his spirits. As he stopped to zip up his jacket, he heard the ringing of the bell behind him. The brunette stepped out from the bookshop, still pulling on her own coat. It stopped just above the knees, meeting the hem of her skirt. Andrew turned to greet her, but his eyes didn't get past her tall, smooth legs. She either ignored his obvious gaze, or didn't notice it as she ran over to him and wrapped her arms around his soft body. Where are you going, Edgar Allan Poe? She squeezed him before relaxing her grip and slightly stepping back. Trying to stay casual, he looked around before answering. Oh, you know, just going to clear my head. Girls love that mysterious stuff. At least, he thought they did. Heavy night, I guess. The facade dropped immediately. Dear God, yes. But they loved you. She bounced with enthusiasm. That's what I mean. I've never had a response like that before. Maybe you just haven't put yourself out there until now. Yeah, maybe. He returned his attention to her. Look, Samantha, I'm just going to calm down. Then I'll do the meet and greet. How about that? Samantha smiled. You better. I can't have my writers disappearing on me. These nights rely on repeat attendees, you know. Plus, you never know who's in there. She winked. Was she flirting? He certainly hoped so. Give me like 15 minutes. Samantha turned and opened the door, setting off the bell once again. 
She stopped in her tracks and turned to look at him. Smiling, in a low voice, she said, Don't go far, before stepping inside. Jesus, she was flirting. Alone, Andrew placed a hand over his mouth to hide the resurgent smirk for no one in particular. As he began the walk, he shook the excitement out of his arms. It didn't work. Maybe this is why some people smoke, he mused. Each step away from the bookstore settled his nerves as the adrenaline began to dissipate. Yet a lightness in his stomach remained. And deeper, he felt a twinge. He placed his hand over his stomach and waited. No, not a physical pain, but something causing him unease nonetheless. It was the same feeling he'd felt on his way to the event. Something he'd put to the back of his mind. Something that Samantha's newfound admiration had exacerbated. Was it guilt? Following no route in particular, Andrew wandered the quiet streets for about ten minutes. A breeze was picking up, and just around the corner, he heard a long, drawn-out metallic squeak. Following the noise, he came across an opening, and situated right in the center was a children's park. A swing was rocking slowly in the breeze. Something about the image unsettled him. Andrew couldn't tell if the park was still in regular use, but as he stepped closer, he caught glimpses of an abundance of graffiti and the little light there was. He amused himself absently reading the various declarations scrawled onto the surfaces. For a good time, call Haley. Fuck Bush. Andrew rolled his eyes. How original. Go Bucks. On the ground, he spotted what seemed like a more recent addition. And on closer inspection, he noticed it wasn't scratched into the surface or spray-painted like the others. Instead, on the tarmac was bright, freshly drawn crayon. What lay on the ground was a symbol for a heart, and inside the heart was a simple message. Andrew loves Samantha. Andrew, now squatting on the floor, raised an eyebrow. Before he had time to reflect, a light caught his attention to his left. He glanced over instinctively and immediately saw a tall, nine-story building looming over the park. The walls of the building were darker than its neighbors, yet the windows remained intact. And while the surrounding buildings were comprised of brick, this one was clearly made from stone. A single light shone from the third floor, and no sooner had he fully registered it, it went out. He must be blind to have missed the place before. The building was most definitely old, and even to the casual observer, looked like it hadn't housed residents for some time. At least, Andrew guessed it was meant for residential space. It could very well have been a block of apartments in its day. Andrew stood and stared. He couldn't take his eyes off the out-of-place relic. He started to walk over, making sure he had a tight hold on his notebook. From what little he knew of architecture, he could see that the design was much older and flamboyant than what you'd expect to see in Pittsburgh. Manhattan, perhaps, but not here. He resolved to ask Samantha about it. On that note, he realized it was time to stop wasting time and head back. Just as Andrew changed direction, the sound of an opening door caused his head to dart back. Now, the large glass double doors were wide open, a flickering light struggling to conquer the darkness within. Andrew stepped forward, eager to satisfy his curiosity. As he neared the doors, he half expected to see a janitor on a cigarette break, some old guy telling him to piss off, but there were no signs of anyone. 
Just as she stepped onto the pavement, the light stabilized. Its harsh glow illuminated the lobby with a loud hum. Indeed, what he saw within was an old lobby. A reception desk stood to the left of the doorway, and the most hideous carpet Andrew had ever seen blanketed the floor. Hello? The only response was the sound of his own footsteps. As he passed the doors, he shook one in his hand. It was heavy and held firm. It was definitely no breeze that forced these things apart. He looked behind his shoulder, but no one was there to witness his trespassing. And yet, he wondered, was this trespassing? As he stepped over the threshold, he felt like he needed to be here. Something was inviting him in, and he felt powerless to refuse. Ahead, he saw an old elevator. Although unassuming, he noticed the decorative arrow above its metallic doors pointing to the first floor. The doors slammed shut behind him, and the glass shuddered in its frames. Andrew jumped and immediately turned. No one. He ran to the doors, his breathing heavy before he'd even moved. He tried to pull the doors open, but they didn't budge. It wasn't even as if he could feel the lock keeping them together. He simply knew in his bones that these doors would not open for him. With a loud, single strike of a bell, the elevator doors behind him opened. He moved from the doors and turned to face the elevator. The interior walls were mirrored, but heavily decorated with a golden iron pattern. Andrew was about to call out, but the tinny sound of music permeated the dusty air. The music was cheesy, the kind you'd expect to hear when the late-night commercial quickly warns you which crippling side effects the pills will give you. What bothered Andrew about it the most, though, was that he couldn't see any speakers. It won't bite. Andrew jumped out of his skin. He dropped his notebook. Darting his head from side to side, he frantically searched for the owner of the voice. However, it was clear he was alone. Uh, hello? It's just an elevator. The voice was young. Really young. It won't hurt you. And English. Where are you? He asked, trying to keep his voice calm. I'm somewhere else. She quickly replied. If you want to see me, you'll have to step inside. Her voice was calm and matter-of-fact. Confused, Andrew leaned into the compartment and shouted upwards. I just want to leave. If there's an adult that can get the doors open for me. No response. Can you get someone to help me? I didn't mean to. I can help you. She calmly boasted. He pointed his ear forward, but couldn't locate the origin of the voice. Where are your parents? They're not here, but I am. That's what's important. Suddenly, he felt something pull on his jacket, catching him off guard. The force caused him to stumble into the elevator. He stopped himself from slamming against the wall and inspected his jacket. The doors immediately closed behind him, and he felt a lunge in his stomach as the elevator was pulled up. Andrew frantically looked for the control buttons, but was alarmed to find there was nothing of the sort. Andrew clasped his hands together and sealed them over his mouth and nose. He heard his own breath shudder, and he tried to calm down. The absurdity of the situation began to dawn on him. He should be back at the bookstore, not gallivanting around whatever this place was. He smoothed both hands through his hair and exhaled loudly. The elevator bell made a single stroke as it passed the second floor. Soon, the lights flickered, and the voice spoke once more. You fancy Samantha. I can tell. Andrew looked up, ignoring the comment. He looked for speakers, or something of an earthly explanation. 
Somehow, he knew he wouldn't find anything of the sort. Another ding. This time, the elevator stopped with an inelegant break. Sad story, announced the voice. This is your stop. The music stopped as the doors opened sluggishly, revealing a long hallway beyond. It was pitch black and unwelcoming. Logically, there should have been a window at the end of the hallway from what he'd seen outside. But Andrew silently acknowledged that this building was not even pretending to play by the rules anymore. As he stood hesitating, his hand twitched as he suddenly realized he was no longer holding his notebook. He looked at the ground before realizing he dropped it in the lobby. You won't be needing that, Andrew. After all, it's not really yours, is it? Andrew's eyes widened. She knew. He contemplated refusing to step out, but preferred the idea of being physically coerced less. He slowly stepped out of the elevator, his hands feeling the side of the wall. The doors closed behind him, sealing off the only source of light. Now, he was truly alone, and in the dark, no less. Well, he lamented, what a fantastic evening this has turned out to be. His voice echoed slightly in the hall. And for now, the hall seemed to be just as it appeared. Memories flashed back to childhood games of Blind Man's Bluff. He'd always panicked when it was his turn. Andrew swallowed and eventually found the strength to move on. He took an initial step, feeling his way against the wall. So far, so good. Now, for another step. Andrew's eyes began to adjust to the dark, and his steps down the hallway became more confident. Suddenly, the air was disturbed by a flapping of feathers. He quickly backed away from the source as something barely missed colliding with his face and instead hit the wall beside him. There was a panicked screech and he realized he was joined by a bird. It flapped his huge wings and took flight within the small confines. It knocked into the side of the wall again and responded with a furious flapping. The bird, which he could just about see, was a huge barn owl. It screeched again as it hit the wall once more. It landed, this time deciding to stay grounded. Slow learner, I guess. The owl's feet clicked on the floor as it ventured to an open door just out of sight, though in the dark, it was at best a guess. At least you can see, he grunted to the bird. He shook his head and looked up, as if to summon the voice. Please, can you tell me what's going on? I really don't, he heard the flapping of the owl, now muffled from the next room. Picking up the pace, he tripped over something heavy and landed hard on the floor. He could hear the shrill laughter of the young girl echoing from no place in particular. He propped himself up from the floor and groaned. Poor Andrew, you fell flat on your face. What will Samantha think if she sees you with cuts and bruises? Andrew looked into the dark and scowled. Do you think she'll fancy you back if you look like a mess? Andrew grunted as he got back on his feet. What's your problem? He snapped. His voice echoed in the darkness. Huh? The voice did not reply. Instead, his reply came in the form of a flicker of light. Long bulbs along the ceiling lit up, giving the hall an artificial glow. The walls were unremarkable, the cracks in the paint remaining their only characteristic. Hello? He said to the empty space. Hello. The girl's voice replied from behind him. Although her words seemed more corporeal, they still carried a certain unearthliness. He turned to the voice. Instantly, he had to look down 
as he took in the small figure behind him. Before the would-be writer stood a girl not a day older than nine. Her feet were pointed inward, in that awkward way children often do. She held her hands playfully behind her back and giggled at the silence. She swayed gently from side to side, impatient for a response. Um, hello? You already said that. (laughs) She giggled again. Andrew's lips formed a smile, but the rest of his face didn't seem to know it was meant to join in. Despite the girl's appearance, Andrew could sense something old about her. Specifically, he wasn't sure, but something in his bones told him not to let his guard down. He was quite sure that behind the playful and friendly nature lay something ancient and dark. He had read tales of Victorian children encountering fairies at the bottom of their garden and just how much fun the fairies had been, but only when the children had behaved. Looking at the little girl in front of him, he instantly believed everything he'd previously scoffed at. And looking at her, he was sure it was her hands that had dragged him into the lift. He wanted to ask the girl where he was and why he was here. Yet somehow, he already knew. He looked into her eyes and saw she held a wealth of knowledge. Not only of his own secret, but an understanding of the world long since chased by philosophers and scientists alike. Bored, she sat on the floor, then lay down on her stomach. Her hands now visible, Andrew saw that she held a small collection of crayons. She kicked her legs rhythmically in the air and hummed gently as she began to draw on the concrete floor. Amused, Andrew rested his back against the wall and slid down beside her. So, um, what's your name? Andrew had never been great with kids. Whatever she was, there did still seem to be a little girl in there, to some extent. Victoria, she answered, without looking up from her drawing. She had already drawn two flowers by this point, and was hurriedly moving on to her next creation. That's pretty, he pointed to the drawings. This time, the girl met his eye. Thanks. She was halfway through a drawing of a figure of a man. Is that your daddy? Andrew began to feel in control of the situation. Surely, if he was nice enough, she'd let him leave sooner or later. No, that's you. She drew an unhappy expression on the face. See? Why am I sad? That's a deep question. She smiled at him knowingly. Andrew laughed. (laughs) Huh? Victoria drew what looked like a book under the arm in the drawing. That's your stolen story. Andrew meant to protest, but her directness had stumped him. He hadn't thought of it as stealing, just borrowing. No. Actually, it was an homage. Perhaps it was time to drop the facade. They both knew why he was here. It's not stealing, he said to her. It's an homage. Victoria stopped drawing and put down her crayon. She stood up and met Andrew at eye level. She looked at him with the disappointed air of a mother or teacher. It was at this point Andrew began to wonder how long she'd been here. An homage? She said flatly. Andrew swallowed. Yeah. He looked down. The words are the same, Andrew. They're not all the same. He kept looking at his feet. He sniffed. Somehow, this kept his emotions in check. Are you going to tell them? Andrew didn't respond. Are you going to tell Samantha? He looked up. How do you even know? She ignored the question. I love stories. Sometimes people come and tell me stories. 
and sometimes I have to go and look for them. She sat back down and began to scribble once more. I read one of yours once. It wasn't bad. With practice, you could be really good. Andrew's eyes began to glisten, and his vision blurred. And yet, there was a heat building within him. What right did she have to cut so deeply? Who was he hurting? But you haven't practiced. Instead, you've cheated. You've found someone who had what it takes and passed it off as your own. Well, at least the story is finally out there. My daddy used to tell me a story about a boy who lied. Andrew leaned forward, curious to see what she was drawing. I don't remember how it goes. Andrew heard the owl flutter in the other room. It screeched, panicked. But in the end, a wolf ate him. A snarl emitted from the other room, and Andrew bolted up, looking for the culprit. He turned to look at Victoria, but all that remained were her crayons rolling on the floor. Now he could see what she had been drawing. A wolf about to bite Andrew's leg. Suddenly, another snarl. He turned back and saw it. He saw the wolf. The black hair stood proud upon the arched back of the beast. The wolf growled with a low hum deep in its chest. It bared its huge pointed teeth, eclipsed only by the large hazel eyes. It placed a paw forward, then another. It would happen soon. Andrew took a step back, keeping eye contact. In his fear, he didn't know if that would seem confrontational. Who in their right mind is able to remember the sage advice during an actual animal attack? Who, when faced with a bear, is able to give an Oscar-worthy performance of death? Come on, Andrew, move. The wolf made another step. Its growl intensified. Now! Andrew ran to the direction of the lift, somehow knowing it would open. He was right. It seemed Victoria was fairer than he thought. He heard the slipping of the wolf's rear paws on the smooth floor as it entered into a sprint. He heard its salivations over the sound of his own heartbeat echoing through his skull. His legs moved with a speed he didn't realize they were capable of, and after a few seconds slammed against the wall of the lift. The iron gating sealed the elevator thanks to an invisible force. The wolf slammed against the barrier, trying to push itself through. The doors began to close, causing the beast to jump back. Sealed inside the lift, Andrew allowed himself to slide to the floor and catch his breath. His heart threatened to burst out of his chest as he almost didn't dare look up for fear of seeing Victoria. The lift made the same familiar ding as it passed down the first floor. He continued to stare at the ground, almost paralyzed with fear. Nothing else happened at all. The lift continued until it reached the ground floor with an elegant thud, and the rackety old doors opened to reveal the ground floor. His notebook sat awaiting him on the floor. Andrew got to his feet unsteadily. His limbs ached. He placed a hand against the side of the lift while he regained the strength in his legs. He listened for sounds of disturbance upstairs, but heard silence. He found he was able to gather the strength to move out of the lift and collect his book. Taking another look at his surrounds, Andrew was relieved to realize only a short walk separated him and the bookstore once more. He moved swiftly out of the building and did not look behind him as he practically ran down the street. Out of breath, he arrived finally at Novels of Antiquity and pushed the door open, sounding the bell inside. Samantha caught sight of him and dramatically placed her hands on her hips. 
Where the hell have you been? She scolded. For a walk. I said I was for over half an hour. He opened his mouth and debated confiding in her the strange events of the evening. He could even take her to the building to prove it, though he immediately realized his story would appear as if in keeping with the evening's theme and would not be believed. While his nerves had calmed, he still felt the presence of Victoria somehow watching. In a split second, he assessed the situation and decided a man cannot live in fear when an opportunity of success presented itself. A man can only live so much of his life in fear. I guess I lost track of time, he smiled coyly. Samantha's scowl relented, and she let a smile through. Okay, Lovecraft, just get your ass back in that crowd. A little birdie tells me there's a publishing agent rubbing shoulders with the other writers. I think he was impressed with your story. Wow, he thought. Time to make a good impression. Okay, great. Let me just go to the restroom and I'll be right in there. He turned to the restroom door on the right and turned before entering. And Samantha, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'll never forget this. Samantha simply winked in response and turned into the crowd. Andrew smiled, rather pleased with himself, and walked into the restroom. Yet when he entered the room, he stood once again in the darkened hallway of the abandoned building. His heart sank as he quickly turned to see what was behind him. There stood only the closed doors of the lift. Deep down, he knew the call button would not work. The distorted voice of Victoria filled the corridor once more. Third story. This is where you belong, Andrew. That was The Homage, written by Mark Nixon for The Lift. Intro, Where Does the Time Go? by Daniel Foytek. The Homage, a short story written by Mark Nixon, read by Daniel Foytek.